The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 24th chapter. But no one knows about the day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven know. The Son does not know. Only the Father knows. Remember how it was in the day of Noah. It will be the same when the Son of Humanity comes. In the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking. They were getting married. They were giving their daughters to be married. They did all of the things right up to the day Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be when the Son of Humanity comes. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, another will be left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. So keep watch. You do not know on what day your Lord will come. You must understand something. Suppose the owner of the house knew what time the night of night the robber was coming. Then he would have kept watch. He would not have let his home be broken into. So you must be ready. The son of humanity will come in an hour when you don't expect him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Happy New Year. We ring in the new year as the church as we joyfully await and prepare annually to welcome Emmanuel, God with us, our God who became human in order to show us the way of life and love. Over the next few weeks, Christians throughout the world prepare their hearts and minds through themes of hope, peace, joy, and love for Jesus' coming. We who live in the middle of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection 2,000 years ago, and Jesus' return, know that the season of Advent touches on both the Incarnation and the Second Coming. First, let us meet the writer for the majority of the Gospel lessons over the next year. I wish I could tell you exactly who that writer was, but Matthew was a name that was probably attached to the Gospel later. The Gospel was likely written about 40 to 45 years after the resurrection of Jesus, using Mark, Q, and other sources for a community of Jewish Christians, perhaps near Jerusalem or Galilee. They lived in eager anticipation for the return of Christ and expected it to happen in their lifetimes. And with every year that passed, people became more confused, more complacent, or maybe downright cynical about the idea that Jesus was coming back at all. So Matthew's gospel spoke to his generation and the generations to come about preparing for that moment, that hour, that day, that much-awaited event. There's an emphasis in Matthew on time, both chronos and kairos time, and that's where the text has taken on a life of its own. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, 
he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Humanity is coming at an hour you don't expect. Those verses have been used by faith leaders and writers to create anxiety, dread, and fear. Pretty much anything except hope, peace, joy, and love. Preaching about the rapture, sermons about the end times, the Left Behind series of fiction novels by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, and similar apocalyptic writings have created among some Christians a culture and attitude of fear, of not being good enough to spend eternity with God. I am convinced that Matthew had no agenda with his text to create fearful, paralyzed disciples of Jesus who were terrified about their loved ones being whisked away mid-sentence and being left behind because they weren't prepared. These Christians in the latter part of the first century had enough to be frightened about. In the year 70, the Roman Empire destroyed the temple and overran Jerusalem. These followers' lives were hard enough believing in Jesus the Christ when other Jewish people still awaited the Messiah's coming. We know that they had challenges. We read in Paul's letters decades earlier when he and others were starting churches. They were collecting money for the church in Jerusalem. So when the author of Matthew recalled the words of Jesus to be prepared, he was using them to rally the followers of the way into joyous hope. Keep awake, be ready. Jesus is coming soon, really, keep the faith. So what do we as Christians do with these texts in 2022 when we are still waiting for Jesus' return? Are we any different than Matthew's early Christians? Aren't some of us a little confused, complacent, or downright cynical about the idea that Jesus could show up any day? I know people who belong to churches whose leaders keep making predictions about the day of Jesus' return. Many of these dates have passed. So the leaders read some more, recalculate, and give their followers a new date, that Jesus is surely coming. Talk about FOMO, your fear of missing out. But how did the gospel end today? Therefore, you must also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Every morning when I was young, my mom stood watch at our kitchen window looking south over County Highway K, waiting for a glimpse of red flashing lights a mile and a half up the road, telling it was time to run down our long driveway in order to catch the school bus. But there are no flashing lights, no billboards, no true predictions to tell us Jesus is coming. Nowhere in the Bible does it really say when it will be. We have to live ready. So what does living ready look like? I can think of three things that mark people who are living ready. First, people who live ready believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Okay, this seems obvious, but it's a very serious matter. At my MIC site, we asked our three confirmands about their belief in Jesus Christ just three weeks ago on Reformation Sunday. A week ago, my pastor baptized baby Cameron who tried to dive into the baptismal font before pastor had finished speaking. Talk about your readiness to be baptized. 
Pastor asked Cameron's parents and sponsors about their beliefs as part of that sacrament. And as part of our worship in many churches, we profess the Apostles' Creed nearly every week. Why? It's ultimately a statement of belief and belonging. As Ang Anglican priest Ben Sternke put it, to say, I believe, is not so much to confess individual confidence, but to confess corporate belonging and participation in the Church of Jesus Christ across time and space. The communion of saints throughout the world and throughout the ages who belong to Christ and participate in the life of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. To say, I believe, is an act of faith that we need to practice regularly among people of faith. It is a communal building up to increase our faith while we increase the faith of others. Second, people who live ready live as set-apart people. They live in the world, but not of the world. They act upon their faith in how they live every day, not just under this roof. They live generous, thoughtful, and helpful lives because of who they are. From the person who's allow, who allows somebody with three items and three small children to go ahead of them in the grocery store, to the couple who set aside their lives for months to assure that Mike and I were moved to Chicago. They are considerate in things small and great. They consider their lives a gift and every action a way to use that gift. Right now, I want you to think of one person, or maybe several, who have modeled for you that Christ-like generosity, that thoughtfulness, that helpfulness, Someone who is living in this world, but living set apart. Now, on the count of three, we're going to shout those names together in an LSTC burst of gratitude. Ready? One, two, three. Kirk and Sherry. Awesome. And third, people who live ready want everyone with them. When that unexpected day comes, I couldn't help but be disappointed if the crowd were underwhelming. I picture an uncountable mass of all people from all times and places. People who live ready want a party, a banquet for everyone on that day. They can't help but share the good news of God's love and God's grace for all people. Many of you who have heard that story about the anthropologist studying, in an, uh, studying an African community who set a basket of candy by a tree and offered the candy to the child who could get to it first. The children joined hands, ran together, and shared the candy happily. One child explained it to the confused anthropologist. Ubuntu, how can I be happy if all the others are sad? Ubuntu, I am because we all are. In what seemed to me to be a twist on that Ubuntu story, a good friend of mine wrote about his life as a headlong race toward home, sometimes picking up others along the way, and sometimes being carried yourself when you fall or falter. Knowing that we are going to make it, she said, by the grand slam that is God's grace, and learning how to absolutely, positively, no matter what, trust in that. That has become my own vision of what our hope, God's kingdom, looks like. Not something I win 
not a date that I need to calculate, not something for which I sit passively in the window and wait, but living ready, running toward home, holding hands with others until we all reach home. And that, my friends, is our hope this Advent season. Living ready means live, not living in fear, but living every day filled with hope. Believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior, living grateful, thoughtful, and helpful lives, and bringing everyone home. That, that is our hope. As we wait for the arrival of Emmanuel, and as we wait for the return of Christ, as we prepare for finals and Christmas parties, visit for, with family and friends, and negotiate stores filled with impatient and sometimes rude shoppers. As we try to hold space in our own lives and hearts for some much needed Christmas peace. Stay awake, my friends. Stay awake, be prepared, and live ready. Amen. We continue with our hymn of the day, 904, Come to be our hope, O Jesus. <clears throat> 